Hey guys, it's John with the John Olson Show uh, for uh, December. It's our last show this year, Heather. All right. Yay. So we have Heather, our co-host today. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> and we have also, we have Michael from the East County Transitional Living Center. Yeah, good morning. Hey, good morning. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? Doing well. So you're the CEO of the East County Transitional Living Center. Do you guys have a short term name for that? Like a little, a term or... Correct. It's ECTLC and it's a tongue twister sometimes. Yeah, I'm going to say East County Transitional Living Center. Yeah. Awesome. So, Michael, tell me a little bit about your organization and what you do. Yeah. So, we are a one year, four phase faith based rehabilitation program that helps folks either coming off the streets or out of their homes or new to the area where they just need either a year to work on their uh, possibly alcohol and substance abuse, mental health, other social challenges. And we get folks coming out of jail and prison as well uh, for a year to transition. Gotcha. So you have like a local facility somewhere in the East County? Correct. We actually okay. have five campuses in East County that we operate out of, but our main campus is at 1527 East Main in El Cajon. Okay. Over by Kalen's Market. Correct. Where you get the best carne asada, don't go on... Um, May 5th. Okay. I make that mistake every time and go, oh, dang, I should have went yesterday. Uh, anyway, so you're down there in, in El Cajon. Yeah. And do you have four other campuses nearby? Yeah. So there is a men's training center, which is the first 90 days for single men. And that's up in Dulzura, California. That uh, You can see the Takati Mountains and we have 72 beds there. Okay. And then we have a woman's home in Flynn Springs and there's 30 beds there. And that's the first 90 days for single women. And then we have 72 rooms for families on our main campus in El Cajon. And also on that main campus, we have uh, two brand new dorms that were built about a year ago and they can house up to 120 single men and women. Then we have a, a fifth campus out in Boulevard, which is a ranch out in Boulevard where some of our program participants work and uh, stay out there. For okay. training and curriculum. So um, so obviously there's a, a homeless problem, not just in East County, but in California, most places, right? Yeah. Um, seems like it's getting more visible and, and, and more impactful on everyday folks. Yeah. Um, how does somebody get into your system? I mean, so, do you find them? Do they find you? Yeah. So several ways, actually. Uh one of the first ways for folks in East County that are familiar with our program, either the individual that would become a program participant or their family will bring them to us, um, knowing what we do. Secondly, we do outreach in San Diego County, um, okay, mainly in East County, but um, uh, like we were recently at the North County Veterans Stand Down, gotcha, and other events. Um, but they have to be willing participants. They don't go in kicking and screaming. Judges don't tell them they have to go. This Well, so yes and no. This is a volunteer program for most people, but we do have folks who are court mandated and sometimes the judge gives a little nudge and says, hey, you need to pick a program or I'm picking a program for you. And gotcha. we are one of those options. Okay. Yeah. And what's what's the success rate like? What What does it look like for somebody that raises their hand and says they need help? What do they do? Right. Well, so to to get an exact number, we're in the process. We've just started to collect data to do some um, 
outcome studies in the years to come. And we're going to monitor at one, three, five, and 10 years to see how folks are doing who have graduated the full one-year program. But we're all going to also going to collect data on folks that may not make it through the whole program as well. Gotcha. And, see where they're at and, and where you can... the numbers, yeah. So the, the only numbers that I can give you honestly right now would be <clears throat> we have thousands, and I can say that confidently, folks that have uh, been through our program in the last 15 years that are successful, sober members of society. Okay, yeah. great. That's, that's, that's good to know. And, and so what kind of things, they, they come into your system, I'm sure there's some kind of process, right? If they're a homeless single male, they go out to Del Zura, mm-hmm. right? And yep. then the, do they learn some skills? How do they start working back into society? You're talking about a transitional living center. So that obviously they're not just, you're not just getting them sober and giving them a shower and patting them on the fanny and said, good luck. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So we are definitely not just a homeless shelter. Um, So during that year, there's four phases and they're broken into, you know, three months. So in the first phase, we work with just the basics. Uh, They'll get up in the morning, brush their teeth, go to devotions, uh, then go back to their room, you know, have breakfast, go to the room, make their beds. And then they'll start going out on work calls. The work calls will either be off location where they do vegetation management or, uh, during the pod race seasons, we do concessions, uh, different jobs like that. So That's you have kind of contracts for with the local government or Caltrans or the Padres. Correct. Right. And Correct. so the, it's temporary worker kind of stuff and they learned a, a trade or a skill at least. Yeah. In fact, our vegetation management crews for the men, uh, we have contracts through Cal Fire. Right now we have a contract we're working for the city of La Mesa. And so we have these contracts where we do work therapy and teach guys how to, you know, skills that they can use to, you know, when they get out, so they become gainfully employed. Sure. It's not like they're, they're looking to go um, for the rest of their life, trim weeds on the side of the freeway, but they're learning how to use the tools, how to the next step, the next step yep. so that they can exactly. transition into a job and have actually some experience. Correct. And it's a resume builder. So sure. for some of these folks, not all of them, but for some, um, they haven't worked for a while consistently. And so part of that year long program is building a resume. And then, so we, after that first phase, they come down to second phase, which is at the main campus. And, and then there's more curriculum. So part of the curriculum is anger management, life skills, financial literacy. If they do not have a high school diploma or a GED, it's mandatory that they take a class to get their GED. And those classes are sponsored by the East County Posse a local nonprofit in East County that subsidizes folks uh, in That's that program. That's kind of a quiet group. I mean, they're out there. And yeah. if you know of the group, you know of the group, but they don't make a big splash. They're not the kind of group that goes out there and says, look how much money we raised and get the big check and get in the paper. They do not, and that's like that's why we like to mention them as much as possible yeah. to let folks know what they're doing. Sorry, I, I got invited to one of their events, and it was... Uh, it's hard to keep your wallet in your pocket at that one. It's a good event. They do good work. <laughs> well, with yeah. all the money they squeezed out of you, they put it to really good use. So that's mm-hmm. great. Good um, and then we have, did I mention anger management as part of the curriculum? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Financial literacy, uh, the GED class. Then we have a, it's called uh, celebrate recovery. So it's essentially a 12 step uh, program similar to AA or NA, but it's faith-based. Sure. And, and so we have a step study that's run there. That's uh, part of their curriculum. And everybody coming in knows this. Oh, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. So when oh. they come in before we actually send them up 
to the ranch or for the families, then they know exactly what, you know, what's going to be expected of them gotcha. throughout the time they're there. So, we have celebrate, celebrate recovery at our church at Pathways. Yeah. Is yeah. that uh, affiliated? It is. So okay. all CRs have to be run through, I guess, the main organization and then approved when they, you know, host them. A lot of them are hosted at churches, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a court approved program. So if you have a Christian worldview, or you want to take a faith-based program and the court mandates you to go to AA or NA, um, it's authorized and it's great. Very cool. Yeah. So you get these folks in that have identified an issue or, or, or that they have a, they want to change, mm -hmm. right? So they come in, you give them the game plan. This is how it's going to work from A to Z. And you start them in whatever level they need to start at and you get through the process. So you mentioned earlier that it takes a few months to a year and a half or so. Or is, Correct. Right. Yeah. So basically it's uh, like I said, it's a four phase program. Uh, we recommend for most people that, you know, you, you make a commitment and finish the whole year, but you know, everyone is different. And uh, for some folks, maybe three or six months is the way to go. And um, then we can, you know, they, they still have the same course of curriculum Mm -hmm. but obviously they're shortened. And then the back end, which is third and fourth phase where they start, uh, we, we help them, you know, find work, become gainfully employed and then transition to other permanent supportive housing. Most folks that are only there for three to six months have that, that second phase or that, I mean, I'm sorry, the third and fourth phase already figured out or they have help from family or friends. Gotcha. So they, yeah. Cause there are some folks that come to us who maybe a family member or an employer says, Hey, we love you. We care about you, but you need to get some help or we're done with you. And so um, maybe it's just kind of a, a check, a, a sobriety. So check somebody that just kind of like fell off the path for a while, right. For a little bit, and then you can get them back on the path. They have a, I don't want to say an easier transition, but it's, it's a, a shorter transition back into the life that they want to lead instead of somebody that's been on the street for 15 years. Yeah. I like that. It's not an easier uh, transition, but it is a shorter one. And sometimes it could be even more difficult yeah. because it's uh yeah, thank you. No cost. Yeah. yeah. It, it could even be more difficult because the sooner you get back out to your old environment for folks that struggle with that, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's more difficult until you've built a, you know, a longer course mm -hmm. of, of good habits. Sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, and for females, there's only 30 beds for females. Is it because there are fewer or just because that's the number of beds you have? Correct. So the, well, the first phase for women, there's 30 beds. That's the first three months. But then down at the, uh, at the main campus, there's another 30 beds. So for a total of 60. And if we've never, we've always made space mm -hmm. and because we can always bust out cots and move people around. And there might be a room on the, uh, the family side that's not being utilized and we can, Find room so you can people. shuffle so, things around. Yeah. So we found that 60 for 60 beds for single females is sufficient. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and then you mentioned families, how big are these families? Well, the, I think the largest family that we've ever had was 11. And so, wow. and, and we have a, for families, we have small hotel rooms that can fit six. And so if it's a family that large, it has to be a two parent family or they have to have at least one child that's not over 18 because uh, adult children are not, with very few exceptions, adult sure. children are not allowed with families. Um, and they'll, 
a mother, you know, and a father will take a room and their favorite kids and they'll separate <laughs> and they <laughs> stay in those. Um, but most families, I was just thinking the toilet management system and, and something that big would be terrible with one bathroom. It's well, yeah. And you know yeah. what? That's motivation to, uh, <laughs> that's motivation to never want to be in that situation again. That's what we yeah. tell people. Yeah. And, and that is actually one of our biggest bills. So SDG and E water and sewage are, incredibly large bells. And so, uh, yeah, that's a lot of folks. So we can, yeah. we can house, clothe and feed over 500 men, women, and children at any given time on all our campuses. Wow. Yeah. And so you guys have special programs for the children also? We do. So, uh, you know, children are that are school age children have mm-hmm. to be in school, but, uh, as part, you know, in the evenings and on the weekends, there's, uh, classes that, that, Usually it's volunteers from local churches come in and they have, you know, games and events and Bible studies and things for children. And then there's a a co-op so that when the families, uh, when one of the parents is in class, then they share uh, like co-op duties in the co-op with the children so that they can rotate through. Uh, while they are able to make it to class and finish their curriculum. So uh, is there like a homeschool program for those children or an independent study, or they go into a local school close by or what um, do they do? Both. So some folks are homeschooling their children and they, they work with their case managers there to make sure that that's actually, you know, taking place. Something that they can manage. Correct. Yeah. So that's something that they can manage. Others are at local schools in uh, the, the Cajon Valley school district and some actually that let's just say they have come from a different location in San Diego and their kids are already in school and they have the ability to, some will even commute uh, their children to school. So gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I got on my notes here, it says that you guys are a hand up solution to homelessness. Right. And it sounds like all of the things that you're doing is, is kind of pulling people towards you instead of pushing them down the, down the road. I'm sure there's a little bit of, of uh, pushing, yeah. but uh, it's mostly pulling, right? It is because I think, uh, well, I know that nobody that I've ever met wants to be addicted, afflicted, homeless. And there's all sorts of different, different situations that would uh, cause someone to be experiencing homelessness or struggling with addiction. And so I think there's an inherent motivation in all of us to, to be well and be productive, but sometimes, uh, when you're down on your luck long enough, you lose hope. And then you, if you've burnt bridges and people aren't willing to help, it's a tight spot. So uh, we're really good at a, a lot of our staff have come through the program or other like others like it. Mm-hmm. So we know how to kind of motivate and stand in the gap for those folks and so give them hope for the future. Most of the people working for you have, uh, have some street cred. They don't, they're not just some, uh, not to dissuade it, but they're not just some young guy that uh, some kid that just got a degree in, in social work and is, is telling you what to do, but really doesn't know what you're going through. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. So it street cred is the perfect word because, um, you know, a lot of folks that are, have either struggled with or are currently struggling with addiction don't feel that anybody that, that never has struggled with that can really understand. And so I think it, it cuts right to the, to the chase when they are talking to someone who's had, knows all the war stories, some even worse than theirs, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. bottom is different. And so 
to actually be able to sit with someone and for them to, have you ever heard the term, you can't hustle a hustler? Yes. <laughs> right. So, uh, I, 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 my mom's from Jersey. She says it a little differently. It has something to do with, uh, bulls and stuff. Yeah. 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 So our COO, Ivan, uh, always says that we have a snake handler's license. And so, you know, families and churches and people that have never really dealt with someone who's trying to protect their addiction, uh, doesn't know how to like, you know, feed, weed through all the, uh, the stories and the mm -hmm. excuses and, and we know how to. So I think that helps for sure. Very good. Awesome. Well, it sounds like that you guys do a lot of good work there. And, uh, how long have you been doing this? You guys been around 15 years or so or longer? Yes, it's been right about 15 years. So okay. it, it started uh, with a different organization. And then I think ECTLC, you know, East County Transitional Living Center has actually uh, been there. Uh, our, our 501c3 has, has been there for about 13 or 14 years. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and so if somebody has um, a loved one or someone they care about that's in a situation, do they just go to the website Yes, ectlc.org. Okay. And it'll have a number, or they can drive down to 1527 East Main Street and, um, you know, at least slow down before you uh, open the door and <laughs> send them in our direction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're really good about, we're actually one of the, uh, the only program that I know of and that I've heard of that will take someone same day. So there's only two folks that we cannot accept into our program. And that is registered sex offenders or someone that's an un, unstable uh, in, in a psychotic state. So right. you have to protect everybody that's around, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is, you know, has a, a psychotic disorder and it's medicated and they're stable, they're more than welcome. So other than that, same day service, you can just, you know, Monday through Friday, eight to five. And even I think it's the three P's and I'm going to forget the third P pastors, police, and politicians, no, yeah, I think you're right. Oh, you're absolutely it? right. City of El Cajon, yeah, <laughs> that funny. we will take someone 24 7, 365, so they have the right number. And and yeah, pastors, uh, police, and uh, politi politicians. So, all these people have in. to be willing, though, to go in, correct? You can't be like kicking and screaming. No, in. it's a volunteer program, you have to. And we'll, you know, we uh, during the intake process, we let them know what you know what they're in for. And we have a little, you know, educational video about what our program is, the different phases. And, um, I'm sure there's a lot of excitement, a lot of, of fear, a lot of apprehension. So Just I have a question. Um, crazy. So yeah. somebody comes in, they think they want to do it, but then they have a change of heart mm -hmm. and they realize it's not easy. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah. To change the way you're living and thinking. How does that go? What do you guys do when that kind of situation? Yeah. So what we try to do, um, depending on the individual, we'll try to get them out to the first phase of the program as soon as possible, meaning that the single men and women will go out to you know their respective locations for the first 90 days. And if somebody decides that they want to leave, we absolutely work with them, but they'll sit down with a you know counselor or case manager and have a conversation about it, fill out uh, an outtake form, and just have a chance to talk with them and try to let them know that you know don't. It's it's easy to make an impulsive decision in when when you're in an environment, an uncomfortable environment where all your coping skills have been taken away. You're away from your family or friends. You're in a blackout phase where you don't have access to your cell phone and and 
try to walk, you know, t- talk them through that. But ultimately, if they're ready to go, then at the next available time, if they're in Dilzura, we'll drive them down to the main campus. And yeah, it's not like you say hop in the car. It's like on Tuesdays we go down to Costco or whatever. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, well, it's eight o'clock tonight. We're in Dilzura and it's late, so you're going to have to sleep on it, and then we'll provide transportation yes. down in the morning. Because I imagine that happens a lot. Because it's that's a hard thing to yeah. change your lifestyle or, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's the hardest thing, and I, and I've been there before. So it's uh, that first ninety days is is the toughest part. So right. you've been this path before. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, tell us about some of the success stories. Okay, so well, we'll start with with mine. Um, my personal story is I actually am a program graduate, so I went to East County Transitional Living Center from. Uh, April 2010 to April 2011. So I was, um, I served in the military as a U.S. Navy SEAL for nine years. I had three deployments. I'm an Iraq uh, combat vet. And when I got out in 05, I was struggling with alcohol use and substance abuse as, you know, purposes of self-medication. And that went on off and on for about five years. Um, When I got out, uh, I worked as a bounty hunter and a personal protective agent. And that lifestyle was not conducive to being at home and staying sober for me. So in 2010, I went to the Veterans Administration for help. And they have a short-term program, a 28-day inpatient program at the VA in La Jolla, which I eventually worked at. I'll get to there, to that part of my story. But after that program, Veterans Village of San Diego, which is a veteran-serving nonprofit, in uh, San Diego County, that's where the VA will subsidize your stay there for long-term treatment. But one of the, you have to be homeless to get into VVSD. And I was not homeless at the time. So I lived at home with my wife and my middle and youngest daughter. And so uh, my wife and my pastor were the ones that were giving me a nudge to get into treatment. Um, And uh, for me, because I am a Christian and have a Christian worldview, my pastor told me that that actually this program out here, even though it was kind of rough around the edges, uh, that it was the best place that I needed to be that, you know, uh, and he was right. So basically that's how I ended up there, uh, was, was at ECTLC. And in that first 90 days I was up in Dulzura and, you know, living out in the country and, um, kind of roughing it a little bit is, you know, that doesn't bother me at all. I've, I've been in a lot more uncomfortable situations than yeah, no that. No one's shooting at you. Right. Yeah. But, but when your freedom and control is taken away, um, because I'm also, I was also a recovering control freak, you know, I was going to say yeah. taking their control away was probably one of the hardest things for you. Was Right. It's not like you're in prison, but you have a designated time to do everything. Correct. Yep. And so, and being away from my family. And so, um, that first 90 days is important to have folks there that can kind of talk you, talk you off the ledge when you're ready to walk, walk down. Um, and anyway, I, yeah, then I, I went through the entire program and, you know, I, I wasn't homeless when I came and it was my pastor and my wife that dropped me off. And there's other examples of that, uh, for folks in our program, you know, that, that are the same. And then after it was a long road of kind of, figuring out what I wanted to do next because, Oh, so prior to my military career, I was a cop for seven and a half years in the Bay area. I grew up in the Bay area and my wife was a nine one one dispatcher. And so when I enlisted in the Navy and came down here, 
uh, I had a little bit of, you know, at the time I didn't realize it, but you know, being a cop is, is can be a stressful job at times and, sure. and you kind of accumulate some, some trauma and stuff and, and same with military service, especially, you know, on the battlefield. And then, um, everything that I did seemed, you know, I was done, you know, mitigating stress. I needed to have something that where I felt I could give back more and it was a less stressful environment for me. So I went to, I took a job as a ranch hand. So I'm a city boy. And, uh, there was a gentleman who had a ranch up in crest and he is, uh, one of the key stakeholders that started this, uh, program, this ministry in East County with, with some other folks that he knows. And, uh, he hired me as a ranch hand. So my wife and I, uh, moved up onto his property in the, in the guest quarters. Yeah. The whole time I'm, I'm thinking, how are you paying rent or mortgage or, you know? Yeah. Well, so my wife, when I went into the program, she wasn't working. She, she, uh, so she got out of dispatching years ago because I deployed for essentially once the war kicked off, I was gone for about seven years straight. And when you have three girls that are in high school and your mom's working a graveyard shift as a dispatcher and your dad's overseas, it's, yeah, that's not it's a recipe no. for disaster, yeah. right? <laughs> so she went into real estate for a while. Okay. Uh, back when real estate was, was good and fun, right? So mm-hmm. I think she started that in like 99, 2000. Sure. And, right. And you then, just had to. Yeah, it yeah. was a sweet, sweet time. And then all of a sudden, what was it, 2007? Mm-hmm. Uh, so after that hit, she was just kind of doing real estate part-time, but it wasn't really fun. And, and I was working at the time, so she didn't have to. So after I get out, uh, we, she decided, you know, we were able to uh, to make it work while I was in there for a year. And she took the year off to kind of support me. She didn't, you know, she moved closer to the, to the program mm-hmm. in East County there. And we made a decision that I was going to need to go back to school to be retrained for what I wanted to do, which was something in the helping professions, you know? Um, and, and also, uh, initially I wanted to do something, uh, to serve, you know, to, that was like biblically based serving the Christian community and also helping other folks with, with addiction and stuff like that. So I went to work as a ranch hand. And he was super flexible around my school hours. He just said, here's what you need to do. And as long as it gets done, I don't care when you do it. And this is after you graduated. Graduated. graduated Correct. Program. Yeah. Okay. And then my wife went back to work as a dispatcher because it's a, uh, it's a, you know, it's a specific skill set that sure. not a lot of people have. Yeah. And there's always a need for, for dispatchers. So she went back to work too. And I went to, uh, uh, to school. And so I went back and got my, uh, from years ago, I had had an associate's degree in administration of justice before I became a cop. And then I went back and got my bachelor's degree in biblical studies from Southern California Seminary, which is right. Like I would come down the crest grade, mm-hmm. turn left at Greenfield and my school's right there. So it was really easy commute to school, finish my undergrad. And then I was, um, did I, that become uh, San Diego Christian college? So Christian college is on the other side of the street. It's on the shadow mountain campus side. Right. And then the seminary is right across the street there. Gotcha. Um, So after I finished my undergrad in biblical studies, I went to uh, USC to get my master's degree in social work with an emphasis in mental health and military and veteran families. And so at the time USC had a satellite campus in San Diego off the 15 specifically for that uh, military, uh, kind of sub degree sure. specialty, you know, because it was, uh, they were finding that a lot of veterans and growing know, need. There. Yeah. Yeah. And we have camp Pendleton and, and we have so many veterans. Yeah. In it's our like area. the largest concentration yes. of yeah. military folks. Yeah. 
And in fact, now San Diego is the number one location for OEF, OIF era veterans um, in the country, even above Texas, like uh, even above San Antonio, Texas, which mm-hmm. is pretty interesting. But I guess the weather out here trumps Texas. So yeah, <laughs> it's not a surprise. Uh, so anyway, went back to school. And then I, uh, my first place of employment was at Veterans Village of San Diego as a uh, uh, alcohol and drug case manager. And then shortly after that, I got a job up at the VA in La Jolla as an addiction therapist while I was getting my clinical hours. You need to get 3,200 supervised clinical hours to become a a social worker, like a licensed clinical social worker. So I did that at the VA and then I stayed on there for probably another two or three years as a licensed clinical social worker on their inpatient unit for addiction. And then I worked at an outpatient clinic called the Veterans Center, which treats specifically combat veterans, military sexual trauma survivors, and we do bereavement counseling for folks that have lost loved ones in, in the Navy. So lots of trauma, 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 trauma. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, um, and then, so that was an eight-year career back with the federal government. And uh, in this last January 30th, Harold Brown uh, passed, mm-hmm. lost his battle with cancer and, and passed. And then the board of directors did a search for the new CEO and I threw my hat in the ring. And then six months later, which was three and a half months ago, here I am. It's full circle moment being back at ECTLC in a different capacity, but being able to give back to the place that, you know, made my life possible. Cause I'm, I'm convinced I probably would have either been dead or in prison had I, you know, my life, not someone didn't intervene. Wow. Yeah. I, so how many success stories? You said thousands. Do you, yeah. do you have any other, you know, quick little stories that you have of people that, uh, that, that are out in society? I mean, we don't want to out them. Yeah. I won't, I but, won't mention any names. Yeah. But there are some, some people that and in the East County and around San Diego. Sure. And, so one of the ones that I always love to tell is a kid that if you looked at him, He's just your classic all-American boy, right? Super good-looking, blonde hair, blue eyes. Looks like, you know, he grew up in a good Christian home, and he uh, got addicted to opiates and started robbing banks. Oh, my gosh. And uh, not with a gun, just with a note. But he was, I I want to say he successfully, successfully robbed six or seven banks. And... Um, I just ran into him the other day. He came down to say hello. Cause we came, we were two weeks apart in the program mm-hmm. and uh, the judge actually told him that he didn't know why he was doing it, but he was going to give him an opportunity to see if this program worked. Um, even though he should spend a long time in, in a federal prison and um, pleased to say that he is now a husband and a father, a successful husband and father here in East County has an amazing job with the same man who happens to be a key, another key stakeholder of East County Transitional Living Center. And, um, you know, not what his life would have turned out to be had, you know, uh, this program not, not been there for him. So that's one of my other favorite stories because he just, Every time I think of him, I, I have this picture of him and I'd like to call him the bank robber, but he's just, you know. That's funny. You know, I, when you were telling that story, just I was thinking of uh, that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. What was it? But he wasn't a drug addict. Right. Yeah. I know what you're, oh, the, the one Catch where he was Catch me if you can pilot. or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And he kind of looks like Leonardo DiCaprio, maybe even a little more handsome. Um, but, you know, that's one story. Uh, there's just some, you know, some stories. And then people just like 
picking themselves up and, and, and just becoming just grocery store clerks and working at the local right gas station or whatever. Yeah. So I just talked to this, uh, there's a uh, female who I just met who came through in like 2014. So I wasn't there at the time. And she's, uh, when we're getting this alumni together, I was chatting with her and she was in a horrible place. She had been homeless, living on the streets at the time that she found ECTLC. Her brother uh, had been praying for her for years and um, she was living in someone's garage and was sick and, and really not doing well, depressed, hopeless. Uh, and usually that leads to suicide or at least attempted suicide. Sure. And uh, for some reason, she had a premonition that she just needed to get up out of that garage one morning, call her brother. He immediately came and picked her up, dropped her off at ECTLC. And she had been in, in her addiction for years, I want to say a decade at least. And um, that was in, well, maybe, did I say 14? I think it was like 16 or 18, 2016 or 18. And she went through the whole program. It was just amazing, like, uh, her depression lifted. Uh, she wasn't abusing substances, restored her relationship with her daughters or, you know, her children, even her ex-husband, uh, their, their friends now. And she called an employer, a local employer who she had had a job with years ago before her addiction. So over a decade and the person that picked up the phone was a, who was in charge of hiring and and running the the shop, I'm not going to out mm-hmm. anyone. Sure, um, was someone that she trained like 13 years ago to like as an entry level job there. Now she was the manager, and she's like, "Hey, this is so and so, and do you remember me?" She goes, "I totally remember you." She goes, "Well, I just wondering if you guys were looking for anyone uh, for employment," and she goes, "I am." So you know, anyway, she's now working back for an employer that she had years ago and just doing really well. So, and then we have stories about children that were taken out of very traumatic environments off the streets, out of cars. Um, Parents were addicted and they've had a year to just come to ECTLC, go to school on a regular basis, go to Bible study, have people pour into them, love them, Mm -hmm. support them while their parents are getting counseling and structure in their life. And um, three meals a day in a safe, loving environment. Um, There's really this, this neat vibe on the campus that um, it's hard to explain unless you've ever taken a campus tour. Um, and, and then, you know, when their parents graduate, they have hopefully restored relationships with some people in their family, uh, but also worked with case managers to find um, housing for the family. And so the parents, if it's a one or a two parent family, excuse me, uh, are back at work employed and have a place to live so these kids can, you know, get back to having a normal life and and receiving, you know, counseling of their own and, and trying to break that cycle. Well, it sounds like you guys do a lot of good work. Yeah, it uh, sounds like yeah. a huge operation. I was wondering, like, what can people do to help to donate or donate if they don't have money? What can they do as far as other things? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, so we... We allow anybody that wants to participate and partner with us in any way. Uh, we we welcome that. So if it's if you're you know have means and you want to be a financial partner, you can go to ectlc.org and hit donate and um, become a regular donor. Um, you can donate 
uh, clothes and goods. Like you can just drop them off down at 1527 East Main Street. Um, Do you guys need a barbecue and a smoker? Uh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Great. All right. Cool. I know where to take it. Yeah. There you go. 1527 East Main, El Cajon. Okay. And uh, you can also uh, click on the website for volunteering. You can get a hold of our volunteer coordinator. So whether a group of friends or someone want to, whatever your kind of heart leads you uh, to want to help, you know, your time, your talent, uh, let's just say you're, uh, you have a skill, like there's a local, we have a lot of people, um, that there's a, a lady who teaches CPR classes. Mm-hmm. And so for us, because we're a grassroots organization, so let me just give you my pitch. Okay. We can feed, clothe and house over uh, 500 men, women, and children at any given time. And we operate on a less than a, it's about a four and a half million dollar budget. And about two and a half million of that is gift in kind. So it's not cash. Uh, so we do all of that with 22 to 24 paid employees. Uh, and, and I'm sure you can imagine that to do that on a $2 million budget is out of control, especially when half of that is about half, anywhere between 40 and 60% is from the work therapy contracts that the actual program participants generate. So um, I don't know how I got sidetracked there, but oh, no. So, yeah. so even uh, even if you want to do underwear, sock drives, um, if you want to get on, if you want to put us on your Amazon Prime account, so th- uh, that, you know, when you purchase your goods, that it, you know, Amazon breaks off. A right. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Correct. You just, Nothing. it just, yep. it, it'll show every time, Hey, it's going to the East County transitional living center. You, they get a little piece. Oh, yeah. well, it's like Christmas time right now. So how many children would you say you guys have at this time? So it, it, it fluctuates, but right now I think the last, uh, it's about 180 to 200 right now. Uh, maybe even a little over 200 because it, you know, some people are, some families are graduating, leaving and some coming in. So yeah. And that's always transitioning in and out. Correct. Right? Okay. Yeah. So uh, we, you know, so the app- toys for Christmas, yeah. different things are still a need to be all, dropped off. All of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Any and all of it. And um, like, even if you wanted to get on your Amazon account and donate one of those big or a Costco case of toilet paper mm-hmm. every month to have it delivered to us. Like, you know, any, any way, shape or form, time, talent, money, goods, you know, gotcha. um, you know, ectlc.org. It sounds like a great opportunity. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, it sounds like you, guys, you do more than just bring people, you know, feed homeless people. You, you give them an opportunity to come back and, and be a participating part of society. And it's really exciting to see that, um, that, that, there is hope for these folks. Cause a lot of times, you know, you just drive by or you see somebody sitting out in front of the Starbucks begging for some food and you just wonder, you know, where are they going to be in five years? Where are they going to be in 10 years? You know, I always look at things like that. I don't know why, but I do. Um, and it, it's, it's nice to know that there's a way that uh, people can get some help. So um, maybe we can work on some kind of um, takeaway because I, I run into homeless people all the time as a real estate agent. I'm all over town and I'm always seeing people, but it would be cool to have um, some cards that say, Hey, you need some help. Go here. So we have those. And if awesome. anybody would like to get some, they can just stop down at our, at our front office there at 1527 East Main, or they can write us a letter. And um, well, we like to be frugal with the money we've been given. So sure. Mailing all that out. So if, if folks are willing to come by and they, they just want to tour the campus, but we do have cards and it basically says, you know, I think uh, the, the caption is like need shelter or need help or need sure. hope. 
and then it has an instruction. So it's is that on your? Can they print them off from your website? Oh, that's a great idea. I never. That's that's amazing. Yeah, then you yeah. won't have to go down there. We can just print off a bunch and there have them. you go. Yeah. I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have our our guy put those up on the website. So that'll be perfect. And yeah, print out the cards and good to go. Um, I mean, if I'm giving somebody a egg McMuffin and a cup of coffee, it would be nice to say, hey, you know, here. Absolutely. That's no no charge. Yeah. Here's an option. That's yeah. great. Yeah. You know, we do have those and I'll, I'll have those posted on the website. Very cool. Social media. I appreciate that. Well, See, this yeah. is great. This is awesome. Yeah. So Michael, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on. Merry Christmas. Thanks yeah. for all the good work that you've done in the past to protect and serve and to uh, defend our freedoms. And thank you for the work you're doing today and tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for your service and the service that you're continuing to provide for us. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for being thankful. Thank you for having me on and being able to share our message and and getting it out there. Um, so I appreciate you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.